Yo, just want to take a sec to give a big shout to my people at Wide Roots Imports. The role of a good wine importer is to tell the story of the land that the wines are from. Wide Roots does that in a very judgment-free way. They're an educational resource for people that are new to wine, and if I'm rocking with them, you know they keep some fire on deck. Right now, bringing in wines from Spain and Italy. For more info, go to WideRootsLLC.com now. This is a moment in wine and hip-hop, brought to you by Crew Love, blending wine and hip-hop at the highest level. Wine and hip-hop, wine and music. Tell me up, bro. Check this out. Oh, yeah. You'll be the life of the party. Wine and hip-hop really mirrors the, the conversations that we have in my office about wine and music. Yeah, what's good, Josh? Your man, Jermaine Showtime Stone, a.k.a. The Wolf of Wine, a.k.a. The Zara Vibes, a.k.a. Young Thanos. I'm just out here collecting Infinity Stones. I got my homie in the building with me. Do you want, how, how, I know you got a lot of AKAs. How should I introduce you? Uh, Renee Sparata, <laughs> a.k.a. Wine Woman, a.k.a. Wine by Renee, a.k.a. If you want to know about wine, just call me, a.k.a. Just find me on Instagram, a.k.a. I got this on the gram. Don't worry, it's wine. Boom, boom. You've heard of a... <laughs> How's it going, Renee? It's going pretty good. Just enjoying my Monday. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us on the show. Um, for all of you in on Wine Clubhouse... You gotta know Renee. She she's a celebrity in her own right. You know, not even in her own right, in, in my own right, you know. Um, how are you doing, Renee? Like I, I was really interested by your story because I don't get to talk to a lot of wine professionals in Canada. Um, were you born and raised in Canada? Yeah, I am. So um, I, I'm actually from I'm, I'm from an immigrant Italian background family. So when I when I got into wine, they were happy and also upset at the same time, which is a very Italian <laughs> thing to do. Uh, so my, my parents we are from you, Italy. But we hate you. We love you. But like, do you really are you sure you don't want to work in government instead? Like you get a good pension there. Very good for you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I grew up I was born in Canada and raised in Canada. I go back to Italy uh, whenever like half my family is still there. So go back and forth with my family whenever they wanted to go. But yeah, like I got into wine uh, after university because I did what my, my family wanted. I went to go work in government for a while. And surprisingly, <laughs> surprisingly, that is not as fun as working in wine. Who knew? You get to drink a little bit though. <laughs> you do. And the fun thing about wine is like, you can you can well out and have a good time with it. And it could be like this party thing. You're just getting down and jamming and it's fucking great. And then it's this other thing at the same time where it's equally as like academic and you can dive into it and be stuck in it forever. So I've clearly gone onto the other side, but right. um, it's still my <laughs> good time drink too. <laughs> Definitely. Well, um, we, we're going to get into all of this, but you know what it is. It's wine and hip hop. So I have to introduce my hip hop crowd to you. The wine community knows you. But I got to get the, the hip hop community familiar with you. Now, um, who would you say your rap spirit animal is? If you could choose a rapper that embodied your style and your spirit, what artist would that be? 
Honestly, I don't know if this is a cop out answer, but I, I like fucking love her to bits. And it, it's Nicki Minaj. If I could pick, like, Ooh. she's amazing. Here's why. I'll tell you exactly why she is amazing. A, she can sing and rap, which is awesome. Like, she has this duality to her, which I think is bomb. She's got these, like, grungy, down and dirty tracks. But she's also got this, like, up high energy beat tracks, too. And I'm like, yes, give me both. I want both of the things on all the things all the time. And then, like, seeing her in, in person and how I just, like, her fashion, how she acts, everything that's, like, her personality. I'm like, this this is such a person that's, like, I want to be just like you, but not with wine. I, I can't I can't sing or rap. I'm really bad at it. <laughs> I and she the wallet. My money's tall and brolic. Big ass backyards just to pop a big a frolic. With margarita pizza, with parmesan and garlic. These bitches thirsty, I can see why they alcoholic. I, I can see you channeling some Nicki Minaj energy i can see it <laughs> she's just rad as fuck like honestly this uh she knows exactly what she wants and how she wants to do it and she's got all these different sides to her and it's still her and that's something that like i totally want to do in my life and try to do every single day dope dope always keeping it real always keeping it real <laughs> um so just to dig into your background a little bit like a lot of people don't think about canada first when they think about the wine industry um now how did you get into wine like why why was that something that you took on well like I said I'm Italian so like wine has been part of the household since I was I think I had like my first glass of wine when I was 10 years old but that's just like my nonno made my grandfather made it it was he had good vintages and but most of them were bad um so (laughs) respect on having some good vintages though you know like some of them were good and uh, some of them were very memorably bad. Uh, but so I, wine was like a part of every part of Italian culture. It's, it goes with everything. It's part of food. You start when you're a kid, but I really got into wine. I was working in restaurants while I was working in the government, which was a lot more fun. And I had a lot of, uh, really, engaged and interesting sommeliers and managers that were there that were telling me like I wanted to get more shifts and work more and they were like learn the wine list it's like okay great fuck yeah awesome you give me a task awesome I I can learn the wine list sounds good so I start learning about it and like this is so cool this is everything that I want to do in life this is geography this is history this is art this is travel this and I get to drink and talk about drinking this is awesome this is this is everything that I could want to do and it's all in one thing and it's it's not these other compartmentalized versions of what I wanted to accomplish in life under different umbrellas it's just wine which is right. was how I really got into it they have a great way of combining several different loves that's mm-hmm. why that's why I do wine and hip-hop you know um that that's really interesting though so how would you describe like the the Canadian wine scene yeah, so our wine scene here is is really interesting. We've actually been making wine, mild history now. We've been making wine since the 1970s, but it wasn't really good back then. It kind of sucked, like, <laughs> a lot. Um, and we got famous for making ice wine. So a lot of people know Canada from the ice wine scene, which is, it's basically self-explanatory. The grapes freeze on the vine, then they turn into wine later. It's kind of this uh, sweet wine, but it has a nice balance to it, like a sauterne would be. So there's brightness of acidity, but also very characteristically sweet notes. Some are amazing with age and others when they're newer and they're very sweet. I actually put it on top of ice cream and it's bomb. It's so good. I never heard anyone do that with wine. Wow. 
That's dope. Well, what, what else am I going to use it for? I can put wine <laughs> on anything. Um, but there's a really interesting wine scene right now that's happening in Ontario, in BC, in Quebec, in uh, Nova Scotia, across Canada. We're at this really, really interesting apex where our vines are old enough to be making wines that taste great in the glass. And now there's this creativity and edge that's coming out with winemakers. They're making these really cool and thoughtful natural wine productions. They've also brought in a passamento style, which which you normally find in Amarone productions in Italy, single vineyard selections, old vine selections, things that are aged in, in various different ways in concrete in giant and for clay. Like there's just so much stuff wow. going on here right now. The, the creativity is in a boom. What do you think sparked that? Like, do you feel like the Canadian winemakers kind of got a chip on their shoulder? Like, listen, we got to get our get back. We got to we got to get this thing going because I, I know about Canadian Riesling and I know about um, Canadian ice wine. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know that they were doing some new cool shit. That's really interesting. Are there any Canadian producers that people should look out for? Um, if you can, one of the producers that tends to, to get in a lot of different places is, um, flat rock sellers. They're, they're exported pretty well, uh, across in a bunch of different regions, including the States, I believe too. And Henry Appellum, that's a good one as well for both, both of those are from Ontario, but they tend to export their like classically made wines. They're still really, really well done. Like if you, if you want to have like classic still wines, not this ice wine stuff, everything move like just drop all the bullshit, just have regular wine in a glass, then those are two ones you can find that are exported across the world that are really, really great for showing like what Ontario can do for still wines. And then in BC, one of my favorite wineries by far that I, I, that's big enough to find in other places as well is Burrowing Owl Winery. They actually make a Melbeck there that it honestly reminds me of like Drake songs every time I drink it. I'm not even kidding. Like, so you, you know, pairing wine and hip hop. I am pairing wine and hip hop. Well, you know, Drake's song, like nonstop. It's yeah. kind of like, it's, it, it's got like this like catchy beat to it. That seems almost a little bit poppy. Take heat. So rolling, not a stop. Watch, don't ever stop. This the flow that got the block hot and super hot. So like, okay, Melbeck. Melbeck's really catchy. People love Melbeck, but it's it's turned. It's different. It's a little bit dirty, and it's it's like talking about like what he's doing, but at the same time, it's just like this is this is what we're doing. This is nonstop, and it feels like that with this wine too, where it's like this Melbeck is gonna blow your fucking mind. Mm. It tastes like the biggest, boldest Cabernet you've ever had, but it's different and it's twisted on its head and it's so totally BC. So that's like a producer I would totally look for if you are looking for BC wine. And then out in Nova Scotia, if you can find uh, Benjamin Bridge, they are producing some baller ass bubbles Mm. in champagne style. And it's really awesome what they're doing. Wow. Yo, I'm thinking about that because Drake has a champagne. He has mode selections. I'm like, why didn't he do an ice wine? Like, he should have did something out of Canada. That's the biggest problem with Canada. Like, we we have a really big issue with um, there's a lot of great people that come from here. And their talent tends to get exported out into the rest of the world. And Mm -hmm. I get it. Like, it's not even in wine in any industry, really. It's not that big for people that want to, like, get to that next level 
be those Drakes in whatever industry they want to be in without moving somewhere else and going international. It's kind of weird. Like Canada's like, we like you. Oh, you went international. Oh, we like you more. Oh, you should come back now and do stuff here now. Like, yeah, yeah, you were okay before, but now you went over there and now we love you. So like, it's, it's this weird culture that we have. And it would be great if he made an ice wine. He's from Toronto. He should be making an ice wine with Ontario winemakers. That's rad. That's what I'm saying. I would drink it. You know, it, it, I'm the kind of person I feel like when, when someone creates a wine product, you know, you have to give a piece of yourself. Like what is the personal connection? Like, what are you trying to, what are you trying to articulate to, to people? Um, so yeah, I, I think that'd be dope, man. I, I, I gotta say, but I, I am glad to hear that you've been parents in wine with Drake. Good to know. <laughs> you know, like you can't, this, I live in Toronto. Okay. You can't turn on the radio for five seconds without coming with a, without a Drake song coming on. Like this is a rule here. Everybody that's been here to visit me from other wine regions in the world that love hip hop. And we're driving in the car and I turn on, I'm like, just give it a minute. A Drake song will come on. <laughs> right about right now. about now. Yeah. yeah. See, you look, it's great. It's everywhere. <laughs> that's too funny. Um, yeah. No, like, so Canada can be, like you mentioned, it can be very insulated. Um, I worked in, in wine auction for years and I'd have customers that would buy stuff that would uh, have issues getting things <laughs> delivered to Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that you guys drink more Canadian wine or uh, is there much of a market for other international wines? Um, okay, so I'm going to diverge slightly into a little bit of technical stuff with this yep. answer because it has to happen. So um, we drink wine here from across the world. The technical thing that I want to talk about is the fact that whether it's from an imported market or made in Canada, the same taxes, duties, levies, and fees are applied. There is no difference in terms of the costing and the pricing costs that goes through the systems for imported wine and wine made domestically. So Mm. that's the technical side of it. A lot of people here end up drinking like BC is different. They have like a wine culture that's like BC is the best wine in the world. It's like, yeah, it's really good. I'm really not sure about that, though. But yeah, it's really, really good. Um, You know, DRC isn't made in BC, like whatever. Um, (laughs) Fuck DRC, BC wine all the way. Yeah, no, just kidding. Um, But in Ontario, because Ontario made a lot of for lack of a better word, shit wine for, for such a long period of time. And now it's in this really interesting era. There's all these people that pretty much just drink imported wine from all these really great places around the world and are only now coming into drinking more local Ontario wine. It also, because of the cost and how that cost structure works, based on how we pay people here in our minimum wage and everything like minimum wage is sitting almost at like $17 an hour now. Mm. So all this stuff starts to add up. And we also have to do this other very technical thing in Ontario called hilling up where you have to bury your vines in the winter. Cause it gets cold. That adds a dollar to every single bottle. Wow. So yeah. So a $35 Pinot Noir here is basically the same as a entry level village Burgundy, depending on where it's made. Which one do you want? Mm. Yeah, I'm going to go with the burgundy. That's the same thing that everybody else says. So it's, it's kind of, it's really interesting. Wow. I did not know that. Like, see, I'm I'm so glad that you're on the show to kind of break this down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so you find that it, it's totally a, a balanced market. Uh, 
it's more right now it's more skewed towards imported products so a lot okay. of people are drinking in ontario specifically it's more skewed towards in, imported products in bc it's more skewed to canadian products and same in nova scotia quebec is is different it's more like they have a lot of french products there it's quebec they speak french they're weird it's fine um they know they're weird <laughs> we still like them um <laughs> see i thought that that was a thing that people in the u.s said i didn't realize that like even in canada like that that's how it rock. Yeah. No, like I'll call places in Quebec and they'll be answer me in French and like, hi, I'm very sorry, but I don't speak French. And they're like, that's okay. I speak English. I'm like, great. Awesome. Cool. You start with the apology. You're like, I'm so sorry to bother you about my English speakingness. Very, very sorry to you. (laughs) Oh man. Oh, so I, I also wanted to ask, um, now, I know we talked a little bit about Drake, but are there any other, is that the only artist that people are listening to or like what, um, what are people listening to out there? See, the funny thing about this pandemic is that I haven't necessarily gotten to talk to people too much about like <laughs> what they're listening to anymore. And I know that they're like the last conversations I had had with friends about music and listening, cause you know, a music zoom party somehow does not have the same type of feel as like actually listening to it on a stereo with friends it like yeah. goes through zoom and it comes out all fucked up and you're mm-hmm. like i don't really i don't really know what i'm listening to and i can't hear you either can we like either stop talking or shut off the music so <laughs> we're dancing with your computer it is it's just like yeah computer <laughs> exactly um, so I'm a child of the nineties. So all of my friends are kind of part of that. So we, there's a good chunk, a section of what we listen to as like very nostalgic hip hop. Like I can tell you all the words to one, two step, like off the back of my hand. And I, I'll just start singing it badly while walking around my house. But like <laughs> we play like old Missy songs, just like all this other stuff that's there. But then, um, even old Eve stuff, just anything that we, we know we can listen to. And I love Mo's Def too. So I'll pop in an album from his every once in a while. But the last kind of conversation that I had with people was, uh, one of the artists that we were really liking was, uh, like Kelly 47. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right because I'm dyslexic, but it, it's, uh, L E I Kelly with an I 47. I love her song. I heard her song money once. And I was like, this bitch is the fucking bomb. She's the one. What she is it? <laughs> I'm like, what is this? What is this song? I need the album. And that's the, that's one of the albums that I don't think people would know what it's wash and set that the album that that money is on. And that whole album is bomb to me. I really love it. And then everybody's really into Kendrick, whatever Drake puts out people like, but I also really like big baby dram. So that oh, yeah, was it. Yeah, I like him. Yeah. And the stuff that he does what with little Yachty cute, is great. Too. What was the name? The cute. He had a song called, I think you're yeah. cute. I think it's so sweet. Like he's got he these his fun dog. songs. Like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, bro, this is so like, this is so like, um, Canadian esque rap kind of vibe where it's just like, yeah, man, rap about your dog. That's awesome. Totally I saw on board. This performance and he was on stage rapping and he had his dog <laughs> like just on the stage with him. And, and I'm not a dog guy, but that was just some cool shit. That was, I just like people that are outside the box thinkers. And I feel like with art, your job is like, how can you be as much of yourself as possible? Let's talk about sect, baby. Were you aware that Germany is the third largest producer of sparkling wine? Or sect, as they call it. Yeah, I see where your mind went. You might not realize it, but Germans consume more sparkling wine per capita than anyone else. 
Discover more about German wines at GermanWineUSA.com or on social media at GermanWineUSA. And he's he like super like a relatable. Sweet guy. Yeah. I like that he, you know, it's hard also for rappers to have an identity that's not on some gangster shit or like he's literally making music for everybody. And I think that is, is the, the point that is missed a lot in hip hop. People assume that it's all shoot them up, bang, bang. But like, there's literally something for everyone. And that's a, that's a great. It point. is. And big baby dram is the best. Like, honestly, one of the songs that I recommend that anybody listens to, I'm like, listen to broccoli. It's a song about weed. Yeah. It's the funnest song about weed I've ever heard in my damn life. Couple summers later, I got paper. I acquired taste for salmon on a bagel with the capers on a square plate. At the restaurant with the why you got a stare face? To know I either ball or I record over the stand base. Rapper face, dreadheaded, golden diamond teeth wearing. They just mad because I got that cheese, bitch. I keep dairy. Turned up in the party, getting lit to yachty. With a Spanish Barbie word to my mommy. I love it. It's and it's just it's got the piano in the beginning, and I'm just like, yeah, this is this is like some sunny time, fun weed shit. Like I don't have to be anywhere. I'm just walking around, enjoying the day and the sunshine. I'm like, yeah, I'm in for that. Yeah, nah, I, I like Drop Man. I'm I'm a big fan of his. So, what is an unlikely rap song that people might find in your library? Like. You never know. You could be rocking some. You you might have woke up and played NWA after Police <laughs> first thing this morning. You know, but I wouldn't assume that that's gonna be in your rotation. So what what's something that might be in your library that might turn? So like one of my I have this mix that's like my running mix in the mornings, and that has like my top rap songs on it that I'll like get up to. It has like a bunch of different random stuff, but like things that I I find pump me up. So like. A Millie by Little Wayne is on there. And I love that song. And I'm just like, I'll be running and singing it. And I'm just, and I think like everybody in my neighborhood must think I'm insane. Uh, but like, I love Little Wayne. He's, he's so awesome. And well, I, she's not telling are just you guys. like, they're so funny to me. So what she's not telling you guys is she's running like at like top speed singing A Millie by Little Wayne. <laughs> I like, could you imagine me doing that? I'm just like, I'm a young money millionaire, tougher than Nigerian hair. I'm like, like running and running. I could see it. I could see I it. I could just listen to him all the time. That's probably one that I don't think people would would uh, recognize me with. You got me. You got me. I, I, I <laughs> shout to you, man. And who doesn't love that song? Like, you can't hear. It's infectious. It's one of those songs. That's, I was just talking with um a friend of mine about this song this weekend and how that song just grabs you. It's so, it's so funny. Um, it's just, it's so, I think it's just so well-written and there's just certain things that you hear where you're just like, this is, this is so well-written. It's so well done. This is everything. I know that like in my mind, I see like little Wayne as this like very academic writer in his, like his raps are so they're so clean. They're so tight. They're so thought out. And like, mm-hmm. even looking at the lyrics after you're just like, how did you match that with that? Like, how did you get to this next thought? Like you are so academic and I'm just like his writing style. It so speaks to that for me. And yeah. I'm just like, that's awesome. I, I love that about him. He has a psychology degree. <laughs> that makes a hundred percent sense. 
totally it's it's a, you know you never know right <laughs> you never know um yeah. so we met on clubhouse and i feel like you are someone that really utilizes that platform well um i don't know I, I, it's it's one of those love it or hate it apps i was actually on a, a conference call right before um our podcast and i was telling them how we met and um, I was telling my friends how we met and and they were like, yeah, it's like Clubhouse, like, what's up with that? Do you like it? It's always this what's up with that. Um, but I think that you are someone that that really figured it out. Like, what do you think it is about Clubhouse that draws people in? I think I think it has a lot to do with like a couple of different factors. So like for me personally, I met, I love talking to people on the phone. I'm like a phone call person. I hate long text messages. Yeah. And I, I honestly like. When I grew up, floppy disks were a thing. And then we've like, so my life has moved from floppy disks to like now where everything is on this computer that I can hold in my hand. So like, there's just such this whole thing. I'm like, I'd rather have a conversation. I like talking about things. So there's, there's that side of the app that just like appeals to me personally. And I think a lot of people like in that Gen X older millennial group can kind of feel the vibes of like, yeah, no, I've. I can hop on a phone call. That sounds great. Um, So, but also at the same time for me, I find that I find that especially in wine and the reason why I like to talk about wine so much and the the way that I like to, to go about this industry is I don't think people always break it down well enough for people. We take wine really seriously and yeah, like, kind of technically taking it seriously. This is my career. This is what I've chosen to do. But at, at the same time, this is something that gets you drunk. Like, <laughs> even if it's even if it's $10,000 a bottle, it gets you drunk. Like, how can it be that serious at the <laughs> same time? Like, like, give me a break. And yeah. I like doing these conversations with people because like, even on my Instagram, I find that people end up coming and listening to what I'm saying, because it's like, I will tell you what this, this, this educational fact about it. But like, let's spice it up. Let's get some humor in there. Let's talk about all these other things. Like, you know what? Like you can pay a, the cost of a goat in another country in the world for a case of DRC or a case of um, of uh, Screaming Eagle. And that's hilarious to me. That's so interesting <laughs> to me. I'm just like, we've spent so much money on this bottle of fermented grape juice that's going to get us shit-faced. That's it. <laughs> oh, man. Why? No, it's true. Like... It's it's interesting. Like I feel like there's a lot. There's definitely a lot of um conversion from Clubhouse. Like always into different apps. Like anytime I'm on stage on Clubhouse, I walk away with a bunch of follow new followers on the app, new followers on Instagram, more podcast plays. So you get an actively engaged audience. Um, do you have any suggestions for? like companies that are looking to find ways to connect with people through Clubhouse? Like, what are some of the things that you might suggest? I honestly, I suggest that companies, first off, I always recommend that when companies are wanting to deal with anything in social media, they should start researching how their brand fits into social media. Because mm. in, on Instagram, you'll if you look at my post on Wine by Renee, you'll see that there are paid posts that they say sponsored at the bottom. But it's also done through the, the same tone that I would normally be talking about something. This is a very carefully selected partnership. And I think especially on Clubhouse, because you can hear people talk, something about hearing someone's voice and hearing how they would say it instead of reading their words and like filtering it through your own mind and how it, you would say it by reading <laughs> right. 
like that makes it really different. So the authenticity meter is way up and you can spot bullshit from like a mile away because someone's literally saying it. And if someone's like, oh, you know what? I love this wine so much. And they've never posted that. Doesn't seem like something that they would drink. It's like, hmm, I don't know about yeah. that. Like that sounds like you're being paid. So I would always recommend to brands research people that you feel are going to be talking about your brand in the way that, that you would like them to and do not change how they will be talking about it. Find somebody that fits with you. If you want to do something that's monetized and and talk about um, your products or your story, find someone that fits with it about that. Put it in terms of a larger story too. There's, if you're a Californian wine producing region and maybe you're one of the first wineries that's there in the region, well, you know what an interesting part of your story is? That you were one of the first, yeah. not what you're <laughs> making now. And people would yeah. want to listen to that instead of it being an ad about why your wines are so great and why they taste good. That doesn't just matter to people when they're listening to a story. Yeah, it's about the history. Like, And I, I think that wine, that's why I, I like to connect wine and music, because it's so story driven. You know, a bottle of wine, the fact that a bottle of wine can tell a story is crazy, you know, mm. but um, here we are, right? <laughs> Uh, I know. No. Uh, so I, w- I was going to ask, like, I, I, I really do think that you do a great job, like flowing through rooms, like you always, you always fit. Um, so what are some suggestions that that you have for people that are new to Clubhouse that want to fit in? And um, how, like, what steps would you tell them to take when they first sign up to the app? Okay, so when you first sign up to the app, I think that there is basically like two things, two separate things. So like running your own rooms and like being in being in rooms. So let's talk about being in rooms first, because that's usually the first thing that people do when you're in a room and it's your first time there. Just start read the room, literally read the room, (laughs) see how people are read the room. Is it a casual conversation? Is it more of a professional conversation? How is this being laid out? What can I do? I know that when I go into a room that says casual drinking on it, and if I'm up on stage and want to unmute my mic and go, hell, for something that someone said, that's not going to be taken really badly. But if I do the same thing in a professional room, eh, I don't know. (laughs) I might seem crazy as fuck. So Renee is wow. (laughs) What the fuck is happening with Renee today? Why is she doing it's like, isn't it like 1 p.m. there? Is she okay? Like, (laughs) yeah. So read literally read the room, see how people are talking about things. Um, make sure you put yourself on mute. And if you want to say something, come off of it. See how other people are talking. And then use like we all have different sides of our personalities that we can showcase for for different situations. You can switch how you're coming off to people. Not everybody is like wow out, whatever, all the time. Not everybody is professional all the time. We all have these different sides of ourselves. So see like where you, what aspect of you would fit into being the best in that conversation. And then when it comes to running your own rooms, the, the secondary thing, um, being a good moderator and focus and having some focus and pulling people back into the conversation is massively important. People are entering at different times. They don't know what you're talking about all the time. So you have to be that person that's keeping everything on track. And it might sound repetitive, but this is an important thing to do if you want people to be staying there and listening to you. Yeah, yeah. I have to... um moderate a panel and uh being a moderator isn't easy you know it's not easy you gotta like you gotta wrangle everyone you have to make sure that the conversation has flow 
Exactly. You know, so that that's um, that is clutch. No, and you know what? I, I feel like the most difficult thing about Clubhouse is like you're when you're speaking, you can't hear anyone else, so you can't tell if what you're saying is resonating. If people are like, the "Fuck, is he talking about?" <laughs> like, I you know. know that that's always the 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 awkward part of Clubhouse for me. But you know, it is fun. I gotta say, I, I check it often. You know, I jump up in some rooms from time to time, um, but. <laughs> I'm not on point like you yet. Not yet. I just see, I work from home. I type a lot of emails during the day. I edit a lot of like my, my job predominantly of what my job is, is writing wine reviews, tasting wine, um, talking about wine on Instagram. Oftentimes I am like taking pictures or editing photos, which is mindless work to me at this point. So I can easily listen to something or I'm doing work for other clients. Usually if I'm not physically writing like a piece of a a piece of work that's going to go into a magazine or something else. I'm usually listening to something anyway. I'm usually listening to music. So hip hop is always being listened to or a podcast. Or if I don't feel like um, if I, if I don't feel like that, I'll listen to clubhouse. So that's why I end up on it on it so much, but I have like different mixes of music that I make for different points in the day. Like I have like a pick me up one at the uh, partway through the day that's um, that's got like Todrick Hall on it, who is also a great rapper and uh, Kendrick Lamar and everything like that, too. So I'm like, well, maybe I don't feel like listening to it right now. I'm going Clubhouse. Maybe I do feel like listening to it and I'll be off Clubhouse. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I think you do it the right way. I'm, I'm definitely taking some notes, some notes. Um, OK, so this is a, always a fun question that I ask people. The streets love this one. Uh, if you could have dinner with any rapper, dinner and a glass of wine with any rapper, what rapper would it be? Dead or alive? What artist would that be? God damn it. I know. I saw That's when you told one. me that question, I was like, God, I don't uh, That's a hard one. So It's so hard to pick. Mine would be Notorious B.I.G. He'd be good to have if, a glass of wine. If that helps. Cause like think about what age he, how old he was when he died. He was twenty five when he and passed he was so away, young. and he was so, young. so smart to make such an impact on the world. Like people are still wearing the Jesus piece chain <laughs> that Biggie wore back in the day. You know, um, I know. Honestly, so- though, I think. I think it's like, this is so difficult because I think I would be like, it would be like a bunch of different questions, a bunch of different people to, that I would do. So if I wanted to drink Maddie wine party, how about that? Yeah. Okay. So we have (laughs) bunches of different wine. I think that if I was, I think that most deaf would drink natural wine. So, because he tends to be, he tends to be very, the way that he looks seems very unassuming a lot of the times. And I'm like, "Mm, maybe, maybe you're going for something that's a little bit more down to earth. Okay. I'm going to have natural wine with you. Maybe that will go out very well. And even his wraps are very like, very old school. He's, he's a like, backpacker, you know. He's a backpacker. <laughs> like I'm like, yeah, perfect. Natural wine, awesome. It just, it just makes sense. I I, I love that. You know what? I never thought about that. We should do. So this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna come to Canada. Okay. And we're gonna do a backpack hip hop and natural wine pairing. I love that. That's so sick. Fun. And then we can go out to the party district over in uh, Church Street where Pride Town is and everything. And like the other person I want to have a glass of wine with would be honestly literally Todrick Hall. Because I think mm. that we can get like some very fun, sparkling wines, expensive rosés, which I love out. Like I love expensive rosés. They're amazing. Mm. Um, and some just some fun, bright and fresh wines. And like, I feel like he would be super into that. But then also my last answer would be I honestly think that 
Eve would be someone who would pull it out of the park and drink something super sultry and spicy and be like, okay, let's go have like a great steak dinner and, and drink this like old vine Zinfandel or maybe some Carmenere from, from way back playback in Chile. I'm like, this, <laughs> my mind as a sommelier goes crazy. I'm like, who would I want to drink this with? Who, who would be the best person to drink it with? <laughs> oh my God. I feel like we didn't even talk. We didn't talk enough about your role as a psalm. Can we yeah, tell people for sure. a little bit about like, what you do, like what your day to day is like, because I see a lot of homework behind you. And guys, by homework, I mean, several bottles of wine. <laughs> I do. I have like, I have like at least 30 bottles of wine on this, uh, on this credenza thing uh, over here that I have. <laughs> I am impressed. I am impressed. <laughs> so my my day to day my day to day as a psalm has has shifted completely since I've moved online. So most people think of a psalm as someone who is working in a restaurant and working on the floor and uh, selling wine to customers and, and helping pair food and wine together. That is 100% what a psalm does, but those skill sets is essentially what I use now. So a lot of the times um, I am working as a promoter of wine online and virtually and in the writing that I do. So that still involves tasting wine critically, assessing what's happening in the glass. What do I think this is going to pair with? I'm just talking to like a much broader audience. So, uh, Jermaine, you can see everything back here. I have like... 30 bottles of wine. This is my homework for <laughs> this week. I have to get through these 30 bottles, write my opinions about them, what I think they're going to go with, fit them into the various projects that are, that are being used for, and also photograph them, take pictures, make video content about it. So it's a little bit different than a sommelier because I'm not just having a one-off conversation. Most of the time with what I'm doing now is I might have a bottle of wine and I might need to make like a picture, a video and write a thing about it. And then add a pairing to it. So I might be doing four things per bottle instead of just one conversation. Mm, That is a lot. Like it, people don't really think about that, but I feel like what you're doing is, um, I mean, it's so similar to like the type of stuff that I'm doing. Like people hear my job and they're like, Oh, that must be so fun. But it's also like, you know, if your mom caught you smoking cigarettes, now she makes you smoke the whole pack in front of her. Yeah. (laughs) That's what it's like. I'm sorry. No, I wasn't. It's like it's like that whole story of it's like, oh, if you find the thing that you like, you never work. It's a you're never working a day in your life. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still work though. But it's sure, it's fun work. But it's like it it feels weird sometimes. So um, I was I, I had to make a playlist for this restaurant, and I'm making uh several seven hour playlists. That's a lot like, of work. A lot. Like I'm making 21 hours of music. Like you got to really love music to like dig in and it has to flow. It has to, yeah. But, you know, I'm parent. They call me the Zara vibes. I'm pairing the vibe of the restaurant. People with cannot me. see right now how shocked my face is. I'm just like <laughs> imagining what that workload looks like. So I'm like, uh, yeah. and, that, and that is one project. That's one project. Like, so yeah, I do a lot of fun things, but when it's concentrated fun like that, like it's, it's real. Um, and it's so, the same in wine too. People always romanticize it and they're just like, oh, but it's so much fun. I'm like, yeah, but this project that I did where I wrote two articles and eight posts and made a video reel and then I did a live, like that was a month worth of work. But 
like it's it's still on the subject and it still has this and I'm still trying to show that romanticism but there's no way in hell I'm taking a video of me sitting at my desk for eight hours just working like that doesn't look as interesting (laughs) to people (laughs) exactly exactly no how do you how do you um so do you have any tips for people because you have to create a ton of content to Mm -hmm. stay to be consistent like you have to be really efficient. Like how do you pick up different efficiencies in tasting, writing, creating content? Like, do you have a team? Uh, do you do it no. all your, on your own? Wow. I do it all by myself. This is, I am a one woman show essentially. I'm thinking about hiring someone to help me with a couple of itty bitty things here and there. But uh, my, my thought process for all of this is from the beginning of the conversation with a project, I want to know like what the flow plan is. So if somebody comes to me, comes to me with an idea. So say, for example, they want to talk, Melbeck Day is coming up. So let's use that one. Uh, They want to talk about Melbeck. I'm like, okay, well, what's the story I want to tell about Melbeck? What is the story that I want to want to talk about? All right, this is the story that I want. Okay, I can't include that in every single post. How am I going to divide it? So I start dividing it out and putting the story into different chunks and putting it into different ways that I'm going to use it in posts or articles. And then I start associating what I want the pictures to look like with that. So I have the idea of like, okay, well, today I'm going to start comparing Mendoza and Salta, which are two different regions in Argentina. What, how do I want that picture to look? How do I want that video content to look? What is that going to fall into? And then everything from there kind of just goes. I'm like, I already know what I want to talk about. I already know what I want to look like, what I want it to look like. I already know like kind of how I'm going to go about this. Now all I have to do is taste the wine, write my thoughts, put it down on, put it down on paper, digital paper and um, just roll with it. Right. Wow. You are a one woman army. I tell you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i am and also it's also about time management and anybody anybody that works for them, themselves will say that like the biggest thing that can bite you in the ass is if you don't manage your time there's no such things as day as days off when you work for yourself they're just light work days most of the time on sundays i'm taking i'm dressing up in different outfits and taking pictures of myself very very narcissistically but <laughs> i only have to do it for three hours and nobody's bothering me so it works out really well. I can rearrange my whole house and fucking turn it on its head and then set it back up all together, watch TV later and edit photos. And that's a three hour chunk of work, which to me, because I've been working for myself for seven years, is considered a day off. Mm. The time management piece is, is clutch. That is crucial. Yeah. Understanding how to divide and manage your time will just give you a completely different quality of life, but also improve the quality of your content. Because mm-hmm. you're not focused on a bunch of different things. You're, you're, la- you're laser focused and locked in on your content. So exactly. Great tips. Exactly. Great tips. Um, well, thank you for joining us. This was so dope. I, I'm, I'm ready to come to Canada now. Yeah, come to Toronto. It's the best city. Don't tell the rest of Canada I said that they'll be upset about me. But Same Toronto's well. awesome. Drake's from here. Just come here anyway. You, we'll, we'll go for a drive, and in about five minutes or a minute or 20 seconds, some sort of Drake song will come on, and it'll be happiness. <laughs> oh, gosh. Renee Sferazza. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> uh, this is another episode of Wine and Hip Hop. Peace. This was a moment in Wine and Hip Hop, brought to you by Crew Love.